Good evening, it is Wednesday the 13th of May. You are joined as usual by me, Ben Harris and Jack Dunn and today we are going to present to you our latest feature uh, for our podcast. As we said on the last episode, we will be releasing a shorter 30 to 40 minute feature every Wednesday um, that will be the same format but a different theme. Um, Jack and I have decided to create a um, 1 to 11 every Wednesday based on a different theme um, and neither of us will see each other's team before we record the show. Uh, This week's theme is a challenge that Jamie Carragher um, put out on social media asking fans to put together a team of 11 players from uh, their lifetime and each player had to be from a different nation. No two players could have played for the same club at any time during their careers, be it a full transfer or even a loan deal. Um, I think it's fair to say, Jack, that this one did take us both a long time uh, and the, the team that we started with probably ended up um, being rather different. It was torturous, yeah. to say the least. Uh, this challenge uh, took hours to, for me to do. Uh, I spoke to a couple of friends about it. One friend uh, sent me back his team within five, ten minutes. Yeah. And I thought, wow, how on earth has he done that? Yeah. Then I looked at it and I had to point out to him that there were like three Bayern players, two Barcelona players, Juventus. Yeah. It's so difficult because you think you've done well. And yeah. then you get to the last two or three players and all of a sudden it's like, wow, where, where do I go from here? Yeah. And I, I mean, I'm not sure about you, but it was, as, as you say, it was always, um, for me, it was more the um, the defensive players, but it did always come back to those, it came down to those final two or three players. And you, everybody you see on social media, because I, I think we were quite late to decide to actually do this, you know, both massive football fans and this, I think this was the first Cara Challenge. So this has been out for a good few weeks. Um, and, you know, it, you see people talking about how much they were struggling about it, you know, struggling with it. And, and we we started and you get sort of eight or nine players in and you're like, oh yeah, this is easy this. And then you get to the last two players and you realise you're left with some really obscure uh, nations um, and not really anybody because the problem I mean obviously this can be done with very basic players but it's trying to pick 11 players that you can justify because obviously it's the best it's, 11 you can make yeah yeah so you know you've got to, you've got to try and find something um, that was uh, that was that, that that's justified in every position and um, where was it most difficult for you well actually it was the fullbacks that I struggled with they were the last uh, the, the last for me to decide on because I found them quite easy initially yeah um, but then I found when you actually get a, a world-class fullback they often come from Brazil yeah or um, they've, they've played for Barcelona or Real Madrid or, or a, a large Italian team yeah and then that was really making me compromise other positions in my squad so that was where I had to um, almost lower lower my level a little bit uh, and I found that really it was it, it was a difficult one. I'd say, yeah, probably along the back line again. I mean, the, the goalkeeper that I had um, originally, I actually stole from somebody who did theirs. And when I when I saw their, their goalkeeper choice, I thought, yeah, that's quite an obscure one. Um, so I just stick that in. Um, it was all black from, from Atletico Madrid. And then I had to change him because there was another player that I wanted. Um, so my back four um, ended up being the like completely different from what it started as 
because um, I was trying to sort of, when I was picking players, I was trying to do a mix. So I wasn't just picking my front three first. I was trying to pick, you know, a defender, a midfielder and an attacker to try and make it easier for myself. Um, but then it got super, super difficult. But nevertheless, um, we both have managed to get two teams together. Um, I would imagine they would be relatively different. Um, but Jack, let's start with your goalkeeper choice. Who is it? Which nation? And which clubs are they representing? Yeah, so I went with Jan Oblak, yep. currently regarded as one of the best keepers in the world, if not the best keeper in the world. Only competition really is Alisson, yep. uh, but we saw his performance in the Champions League recently and he was just outstanding against Liverpool, yep. and that's really showcased how good a keeper he was. He's Slovenian and he is representing currently Atletico Madrid and he's played for Benfica in the past. Yep, okay, um, fair enough. I went with him, uh, initially I didn't because I had uh, Godin as a defender uh, and then I thought, no, I, I have to get him in the squad because my goalkeeper was um, not the most credible choice. <laughs> I had um, Rene Higuati, um, I can't even You can't even say him. his name. Yeah, um, he's a Colombian goalkeeper. He played for some Colombian clubs um, He's famous for the scorpion kick at Wembley. Right. And he scored plenty of goals in his career, 41 as a goalkeeper. And I thought, that's just not a credible choice. We're going to have to do some swapping around here. Yeah. So that's another problem with it. The second you decide you want someone in, you have to swap around like your, the rest of your whole team. Yeah. Um, but I did settle on Oblak, and I'm very happy with that choice. Fair enough. And obviously, just one point you did raise there. One of the difficulties about doing a challenge like this, actually, is when you want to pick a player that's played for uh, more than three clubs. I find more than three clubs is the difficult one because if you're talking, if you're trying to pick world-class players for something like this, the likelihood is um, in an 11-man team, um, most of them, you know, if they've played for three clubs or more, most of them will have played for a Barca or a Real at some point, won't they? Yeah, and even with Oblak uh, and Benfica, Oblak made 16 appearances for Benfica as a youngster. Yeah. And uh, a friend I know that did the challenge chose Cancelo as his right back. I said, mate, you can't have Cancelo because he made one appearance for Benfica. Yeah. And that's that's really telling of um, the difficulties of this challenge. Yeah, definitely. Uh, but it, it can be worked out, as you'll see as we go through our teams. And I think, uh, I don't know about you, but I'm certainly quite happy with my team considering the restrictions. Yeah, definitely. Um, I went for uh, Dida in goal, uh, who is representing Brazil and AC Milan. Um, obviously, I had quite a... The, first, the, the main performance which really um, made me recognise him, because obviously these are players that, you know, I haven't had to research any of these players apart from maybe some of the obscure clubs that they've played for, but my 11 choices, as will yours, you know, will be players that we've grown up um, watching and what have you. Yeah, well, that's a key a key part of this challenge is that they've played in your lifetime, yeah. which us both being 18 years old has made it. Yeah, it's already uh, made it difficult. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, Dida wasn't really wasn't really a keeper for me. That that was. Um, I wasn't that much of a football fan then, but I was I was aware obviously of um, the Champions League final when when Liverpool won in 2005 when Dida was the keeper for AC Milan, and um, I always remember him from that, um, and. Let me just give you some stats. So, um, 206 matches for AC Milan. 
uh, AC Milan in those 206 matches won 125 of them and only lost 34. Um, Dida had a 43% clean sheet record for the games that he played for AC Milan, uh, getting 88 in, in 206. He was a keeper really, at, because as I say, I didn't really know much of him, I only knew of him and I knew that he was a good keeper. I had to then go and um, get the stats afterwards to back me up. Um, but from what you can see there from the stats, it, it, it's quite clear that you know he deserves to be in that team. Um, I should have asked actually. What was your uh, formation? Uh, I've actually gone for a four-three-three. Nice. I toyed with other formations. Um, I nearly went with a three-four-three three because I felt like that made it a bit easier. But I thought, you know, you've got to just stick with uh, your guns and what you originally had planned. And four-three-three three is the traditional fantasy team yeah. Uh, yeah. formation, isn't it? Yep. Yeah. Uh, let's go through your back four then. Um, rattle them all off, nations, countries, and then uh, nations and clubs, and then go through um, your reasoning for picking those players. Uh, so uh, right back, I had uh, Philip Lahm. Uh, he can play as left back as well, but I've got him in at right. Um, Bayern Munich legend, numerous uh, trophies with Bayern Munich. Uh, and won the Champions League he's won the World Cup as captain uh, and I thought he has to be in there we've talked about him before on the show he's, he is a living legend yeah. and there aren't, there aren't many of them uh, he had a short spell at Stuttgart at yeah. the end of his career uh, and I haven't got anyone coinciding with that and he was actually one of the first names on my team sheet I thought I thought I'd have to get him in there. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I've gone for him as well, um, just while, while we're drawing comparisons. Um, a stat for Philip Lahm, he's never had a, a red card for Bayern Munich, which I think is incredible. Um, such a versatile player, as you said, playing both right back and left back. And also, you know, I mean, some you do get some full-backs which can play right and left back, but not as well. You know, you, you could hardly tell... Um, I mean, to be honest, there's potentially an argument about which side Lahm preferred. I mean, I always considered him a right-back, but when he played left-back, you couldn't really see that much of a difference, could you? No, but that's what you get when you have such a brilliant player. And it, it's not just along the back line. He could slot into the midfield as yeah, well. Yeah. As you say, he's so versatile. Yeah. Uh, as a, I've got him in my squad at, at right-back, but he could fit in at most positions, really. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, in our lifetime, again stressing the point that there probably are other right but well there are a lot of other right backs that you know could be considered in this but looking at our lifetime you're probably difficult as you as you said as you said about um him being a player that you had to get in your team you're probably hard pushed to find a right back that comes close to Lam. probably Danny Alves um is the only one that springs to mind that comes close for me but Lam was certainly up there in the top three wasn't he the, yeah, the only thing with Danny Alves is that he, he, you have to compromise so many other players. Yeah, for the clubs he's playing for. Yeah. That that then rules out Brazilians and Barcelona players. Yeah. And and PSG as well, and that's that's something that is is difficult to deal with. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, who did you go for at your centre back partnership then? Uh, my cent- my first centre back is Maldini. Uh, in Capitano, he's got one of the uh, one of the most appearances in Syria. Um, he's widely considered one of the greatest players of all time as a centre back. 
Um, he's, he's just brilliant. Uh, everywhere you look at the old videos, you look at him. Uh, and I know this was a team of, in our lifetime, but of course, you, you still have to look back throughout that whole career. Yeah. Um, he's been runner-up in the World Cup. Uh, he's been runner-up in the Euros. Unfortunate not to win with Italy, such a dominant side. Um, but he, he had to go in my squad as a defender that's considered one of the best there's ever been. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's not, I mean, as you said there, from from what you've said, there's not really anything that I can add to that. It's uh, it's quite clear why he should uh, he should make your team. Who have you gone for as your other centre back? Yeah, my other centre back is another player that's played in Syria. Um, it's Kaladu Koulibaly uh, from Senegal. Um, I think originally I had uh, Godin in my team. Yeah, and then. As, as I've already said, I had to get rid of him to get Oblak in the team. Yeah. Um, so I went with Kudabai uh, because I thought, actually, he's he's probably going to be better than Godin at the end of his career. Yeah. He's been so dominant. He's a player that I've seen a lot of because I, I like to follow European football and he's, he's more modern era than the rest of the players in my team, really. Um, so I'm a big fan of him, hoping he moves to Liverpool. Yeah. Um, but he hasn't yet, so I'm allowed another player in my team here. <laughs> he, he's played, of course, for Napoli, uh, and he started his career at Metz in France. Yeah. Uh, he played in the under-20 French team, but uh, actually carried on to move to the Senegal team. And he's played for Genk, which actually ruled out Kevin De Bruyne for my team. Okie dokie. Uh two very valid centre-back choices. Uh, mine, my first one was um, Vincent Kompany, um, obviously representing Belgium, um, and then club-wise, it's Man City, uh, Hamburg, and Anderlecht. Um, i just give you some stats from from him at City, because I think that, I could give you all his all-time career stats, but I think the, the, the stats that he had at City epitomise what company was. So, 265 appearances for City in the Premier League, 94 clean sheets. And interestingly, I had a look at the last three seasons, um, including this season, um, of goals conceded by Man City. And um, since companies left uh, this season, um, City uh, are quite a lot more leaky um, at the back. They're, they're conceding more goals. Not saying that, not pointing the finger at company for that, uh, not saying company's the reason why. But I just thought it was an interesting stat. Um, the reason I thought about that was because watching City this season, I, I did feel that they conceded a few, you know, a few more goals than than what they have previously. Um, in 265 appearances, as I say, he's been part of a defence that's only conceded 217 goals, less than a goal a game, 75% um, tackle success rate, and obviously a fabulous captain for Man City. If you ask me. Um, one of the best players to ever um, play in a Belgian shirt and also a Manchester City shirt um, so he yeah. had to go in really paved the way for the uh, revolution of City hasn't he yeah absolutely um, and then my other centre back admittedly there were sort of two players in this in this um, 1 to 11 that although you know I'm still happy about my choices um, they were sort of picked to try and Make sure they didn't uh, coincide with any other any other players. 
Um, and the one that I did pick was one that you've mentioned that you that you dropped. It was um, Diego Godin. It's still one of the best centre-backs I've ever seen. Um, but uh, admittedly was a player that I, I put in there to try and um, marry up with all, with all the other players and to not coincide. Um, he is obviously representing Uruguay. Um, and clubs-wise, it's Atleti, Inter and Villarreal. Um, who did you go for as your left-back choice, Jack? Um, well, talking of uh, players that filled a spot, uh, I went for Mihaljevic. <laughs> uh, and he is Serbian left-back, centre-back, and he played in midfield. Um, he played for, notably, Lazio, Roma, Inter Milan, and Red Star Belgrade. Now, okay. At first thought, you would think, well, that's a bit of a, a DOS choice, right? Yeah. But if I told you I had Pirlo in my team, you would say, well, that's an amazing choice, right? Yeah. Now, actually, this left-back here co-holds the all-time record in Syria for most goals from free kicks alongside Pirlo. Right. He's now a coach, which shows that I think players who've become coaches tend to show that in their playing career they had quite a... Um, tactical mind yeah so that's clear um and you know as i say he he did fill a spot but his actual statistics as a left back 463 appearances throughout his career and 70 goals that's not bad is it not at all it's uh i mean admittedly i'd never heard of him um whether it whether he was before i got into uh into football, people let us know on uh, on on social media if you have heard of a player, if you, if you have heard of him. But you know, it almost seems criminal that I haven't heard of him, considering what you've just told me. Yeah, same. He was he was one I only found out about really when doing this challenge because it, it takes so much research. And when when I saw what he's done being considered widely as one of the best free kick takers of all time, and, yeah. Um, what what he's won as well, uh, and the teams he's been in. Yeah. I thought it's it's criminal to leave him out when you're searching for someone to fit into that position. Yeah, absolutely. Um, my left back choice was a little bit uh, closer to home. It was um Cesar's Piliqueta. Um, obviously representing Spain, and then clubs wise, it's Osasuna, uh, Marseille, and Chelsea. Um, again, he was a player that I I I looked to his uh, Premier League stats to sort of get a, an accurate representation of, of what he's done as a player. Um, 262 appearances in the Premier League for Chelsea, 92 clean sheets, 73% tackle success, which you know, anything over 70% for a tackle success rate, I don't know about you, maybe I'm just being a bit too uh, kind, but I think it's, it's pretty good. Um, in, in the span of his career yeah definitely definitely um, and part of a Chelsea team that's won um, 151 um, games in the 262 that he is he has played um, and also a fantastic player um, not my favourite player in the world admittedly in terms of um, watching him as a Liverpool fan uh, but I did have to have my when I say not my favourite player I'm, that's not a, that's not me saying he's not a good player that's probably the reason why I'm saying I don't like him to be honest but um, fantastic player um, but I, I did have to did have to sort of have a level head otherwise I, I potentially might not have picked him but um, fantastic left back and I do believe one of the best the Premier League 
has seen actually. Um, I think that I think that's I think that's relatively fair to say. I had to think about that after I said it, but I think that I think that's pretty fair to say. Um, who? With the awards he's won. Yeah, absolutely, and you know he's uh, he's taken the armband for Chelsea as well, and um, has seen you know a fair fair bit of transition at Chelsea as well, and, and manages to stay on. So, um, and you know. I do think with this challenge as well, when you pick a player to represent a country and it is like, you know, it's a country like Spain, Brazil, Argentina, um, some of the big nations in world football, um, then the, the players that you're picking next to those names have to be pretty special. You know, they, they have to be good international players. Um, and as I'm, I mean, obviously it has to fit in with the, with the other 10 players that you pick, but um, as Pelicueta was my choice for Spain. Um, well, go on. Spanish players starting off my midfield uh, is David Silva. Yep. Uh, he's been considered as one of the best Premier League players. There's been uh, another player that's alongside company has led the Manchester City revolution. Yeah. He's won the World Cup, two-time Euros winner. Obviously, all the achievements he's had with Manchester City as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that his diversity uh, and his style of play made him an easy option for me to get in this team. You talked about when you're choosing for a nation like Spain or France or Argentina or Brazil, you have to have a special player, and uh, David Silva certainly is one. Absolutely. I mean, he's um, he's probably actually. Uh, I mean, we did we did our um, our Premier League one to ten, didn't we? Um, in a ranking um, a couple of podcasts ago, but in terms of my favourite players that have played in the Premier League, um, my top three are probably, you know, sort of Gerrard, um, Silva and then Aguero. But Silva, I think I think Silva's quite an underrated player. Obviously, he did receive an awful lot of credit, but actually not still not enough for, for what he did um, at City. I mean, as a midfielder, he scored in the Premier League for City over a goal in every six games. Yeah. And that's not the important thing. The important thing is his assist. Yeah. And that means that his goal contributions are almost a goal contribution a game, I think. Yeah. I haven't got anything uh, written in front of me to tell me this, but uh, that's what I believe. I think we've talked about it before. Yeah, it's certainly pretty close. And without giving any spoilers, before I reveal my um, front three a bit later on, um, you know, they're all sort of mulling around the sort of 0.91, um, you know, 0.9 and, and 1.0 area for goal contribution. So, you know, the closer you get to one goal contribution a game, um, the closer you are to sort of being considered a, a genuine hero for, you know, in football and a, and a legend in football. Um who did you go for for your other two? Oh, actually, whether you mentioned it or not, did you mention the the clubs for that last player for David uh, Silva? So I mentioned Manchester City, and the, the other club was Valencia. Um, Perfect. No, but he didn't really appear much for Valencia. No. Snapped up so quickly by City. Yeah. And performing so brilliantly for them, he's he's a, a real talisman. Yeah, cracking player. Um, who did you go for for your other two sentiment choices? First off, I've gone for Gerard. Yep. I don't think there needs to be much explanation with this. Uh, it was difficult to count out a lot of other England players, 
Um, but then with Gerard having only having only played for Liverpool, it was a good choice in this situation because yeah. the, the best thing to do is have players that have only played for one club. Yeah, and they obviously haven't been. I mean, they have been one or two, but there haven't been um, many. Uh, legends that have played for LA Galaxy as well so that was because there's some clubs obviously that you know that went to some players I should say that um have, have then been to America and, and played over there but you're pretty safe with LA Galaxy aren't you yeah and, and a lot of the players that would have gone to LA Galaxy as well um, or, or American clubs tend to be English players yeah exactly so or was, Beckham and what have you yeah so they were ruled out by by the English element anyway not yeah. just the fact they played for LA Galaxy yeah um, who have you gone for for your third sentiment choice then Zinedine Zidane uh, he's he's been described as one of the, the best players of all time yeah Ballon d'Or winner played for, he's played for Real Juventus Cannes and Bordeaux with the most notable clubs yeah uh, and playing for Real Madrid and Juventus and doing what he did mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately um, we've seen what he did in the uh, World Cup final against yeah. Italy. Yeah. Um, but the fact that he did something like that and then is still counted and regarded as one of the best players of all time yeah. shows how brilliant he was. Absolutely. He's, he's just... Uh, I mean, you, you hear pundits talk about him now and uh, comparing iconic goals like um, Cristiano Ronaldo's against Juventus and... Gareth Bales against Liverpool in the Champions League final, two goals that Zidane scored, and pundits nowadays just say that it was absolute poetry and motion watching Hmm. him play, Uh, and he was another easy choice for my team, Uh, although he compromised other positions, he just had to go in for it. Yeah, that's fair enough, and I mean, even on that, we're not going to... enter a full-blown debate about what happened in the World Cup final. But even for that, you know, I do think um, some people sympathise with him. Uh, I remember watching something last night on um, on Ballon d'Or winners and uh, they were talking about Zidane and they were saying that actually, you know, without condoning what he did in that final, um, there, there was a sort of understanding to his behaviour. So it didn't really tarnish his reputation too much. But, I mean you can't really tarnish the reputation of a player that was that good, can you? Yeah, I mean, I think it was Ian Wright that said that, and he's known as a bit of a bulldozer of a, yeah. a player himself. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but even so, what was said, to say something like your mother or sister, I'm not sure which it was, mm. um, like that, it's, it's not on. The reaction wasn't called for, but, you know, I think most players would be like that, and people are understanding of what happened with Zidane, and that's why... No one holds it against him. Yeah, and I don't think that Italian player will be doing it again anytime soon. Absolutely um, not. Uh, I'll go. I'll just quickly run through my three sentiment choices. There is a similarity. Um, first one, for the similarity is Gerard, uh, 120 goals in 504 games, 92 assists, a match average of 30 passes per match. Just shows how important he was, even in games where he, he you know, when he first started at Liverpool, where he wasn't as um, inte- you know, as an integral part of the team as he was when he when he got the armband. Um, as a centre midfielder, still 73% tackle success rate, um, which is incredible. It, it, you know, it, it perfectly represents what sort of player he was and a fantastic captain as well. Um, yeah. and, the, and he got the captain's armband quite young as well. Yeah, which always so says something. about 
how how he did so well for Liverpool before he was the captain. Yeah. But that's that showed why he deserved to get that armband so young. Uh, I can't remember actually who he took it from, um, but but there were no complaints in the dressing room, and everyone agreed that he was he was worthy. Yeah, definitely, and and by a manager that didn't actually. Um... You know, he was a bit. I mean, Liverpool have had have had an early history, you know, of tough loving managers, obviously with the likes of Benitez, um, but Julier was Julier was was a manager that you know didn't. He, he was tough love, you know. He wasn't he wasn't the sort of um, to say he wasn't sympathetic is going too far, but you know was a manager that um, presented a, a stiff upper lip sort of thing, and you know it, it must have been humongous pressure on a player like Gerard to receive the armband when he was when he was that young. And from a manager that you know was like that, um, but he he used it to to pave the way to a fantastic career, didn't he? Yeah. Um, my second choice in centre mid um, is Francesco Totti. Um, this was another tough call. To be honest, my midfield was where um, two of my three choices. You know, you can argue for or against. I'm still happy with them because they still had illustrious careers. Um, but you know they are possibly the weaker players in the team. Um, so Francesco Totti uh, is more of a sentimental choice this one, but was a massive player for Roma. Obviously uh, representing Italy as well. Um, played for Roma until he was forty. Um, that deserves respect, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. Uh, he's just such a legend in Italy and specifically for Roma. Yeah. Uh, and I think he's a great choice to have in this team with the criteria that's been set because um, because of the fact that he was so loyal to one club. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, there's not really much else to say on that, to be honest, because, um, you know, whether whether stats flatter a player like him or not, because um, I do I do find that midfielders are probably um, some of the hardest done by um, players on the pitch, certainly centre midfielders, stats-wise, because, you know, centre-backs you can always look at tackles, goal uh, goalkeepers you can always look at clean sheets and saves, and up front you can always look at goals and assists, whereas, you know, midfielders kind of do a bit of everything, but it, it doesn't look as flattering. Um, so I didn't bother looking at the stat, stats for Totti, because if in the case that they were unflattering, I didn't want to sort of dampen down the fact that, you know, he played until he was 40 and he was an absolute legend for his club. Um, my third choice in centre midfield, uh, representing Australia, um, and then club-wise, it's Everton, Millwall and New York Red Bulls. If you haven't guessed it already, it's Tim Cahill. Uh, again, another tough call, but um, was a bit of a... Um, a good option to use because of because of club um, and nation uh, combination. Didn't play for the most flattering nation, nor did he play for the most flattering clubs, um, but still had a brilliant career at Everton. 98 wins from 226, 56 goals, 22 assists. Again, you know, I, I've, I've given the stats for Tim Cahill. They don't really flatter him. Um, but I do remember that when I was getting into football um tim cahill was the player at everton and you know off the top of my head there's probably going to be someone which i'll think in of in bed tonight i should have said that but in terms of recent everton legends you know you can look at the likes of baines and what have you and but there's probably not somebody that you will comfortably put above cahill i feel i'm going to regret saying that but 
in terms of Everton legends, Cahill has been up there over the last decade, hasn't he? Yeah, certainly for, from who I'm thinking of right now, I struggle to find another player that you could say is a, an Everton legend, as you've just said, yeah. um, if, if there is such a thing. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was a biased opinion. Though. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely a good player to have in there. But actually, speaking of that, I, I nearly had Tim Howard as, as my goalkeeper yeah. until I found out that I couldn't because he, he played for United as well. You'll, yeah. you'll find out about that when I come to my front three. Um, but everyone knows Tim Cahill for that goal for Australia. Yeah. Um, I think everyone that's listening will know the goal I'm talking about. Yeah. So, yeah, definitely a worthy option to have in this team and fits the fits the criteria very well because he's such an obscure footballing nation and you don't picture many players in this in this team coming from an Everton side either. No, definitely not. Um, I mean, on that point, I'm now I am now going to backtrack slightly on on Everton legends just before I get backlash from from people. There are obviously players like um, you, you have got Baines and Howard, and you can consider Jaggy Elka. Ferguson. I wouldn't, you know, I, I probably wouldn't think of instantly. Um, wasn't really playing when I was properly getting into football, obviously. Um, but you know, even out of those that I've named that have played most recently. Um, they're still Everton legends, but in terms of putting them above Cahill, um, to me, I mean, maybe to Everton fans there's a difference, but to me, looking at it from a from a neutral perspective, because if I'm talking about Everton legends as a Liverpool fan, I can only look at it um, neutrally because, the, the, you know, I can't really win. I've got to call one of them a legend, but um, there's probably, out of those, you know, there's not one that I would put comfortably above Tim Cahill. There are a few you could put the same or yeah. thereabouts. Yeah. No, I think I think you've made a good choice there. Um, what have you gone for up front then? So on the right, of course, I've gone for Lionel Messi. Ruled out some key players being from a massive footballing nation, and of course, only ever playing at Barcelona other than Mule's old boys. But that was in his youth career. Yeah. He hasn't had any international success really other than winning the under 20 world cup yeah um but then you could say uh, i don't know the likes of real bruce have done the same yeah <laughs> um but that's that's not why he's in my team he's in my team because he's considered one of the best players ever to play the game record holder for ballon d'or wins six ballon d'ors he's a player you've said it already when you're uh, reaching that point nine the 1.0 uh, goal contributions per game. Yeah. Messi's there in 474 appearances for Barcelona. He's had 438 goals. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just it's just incredible, and I think it. I know there are restrictions here, but if you leave him out of your team, you're an absolute fool. Yeah, definitely. And just on the point of of Messi in Argentina, I mean, there is obviously an obvious answer to this question. Um, so I'm not asking it completely, sort of dumbfoundedly, but why is it that Argentina have not come close enough to winning a World Cup with Messi in that team? Uh, do you know what? I've struggled to answer, to be honest. I mean, they, the... they have come uh, close. They, yeah. they were runner-up in 2014. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if it's. I'm not sure if it's necessarily the fact that just it, it, he is in the team. Uh, one. One 
player doesn't make a team, even yeah. though it's Lionel Messi. Um, you know, you've got Aguero there as well, Dybala, Higuain. Higuain. Uh, struggle to name too many, you, you have to correct me if I'm, I'm wrong, I struggle to name too many modern day uh, Argentinian players that are amazing or as good as players that currently play in the France team. Yeah. So I think that must be the reason why. Yeah, I mean, they've certainly got the firepower up front, haven't they? I mean, <laughs> I think Messi and Aguero up front, and then you've got the likes of Di Maria and you know, so many players that are supporting them. But I think, I mean, when I said that, the, I feel there's an obvious answer. It's possibly the, the imbalance between the quality up front and the quality at the back. Yeah. Um, I'll just put in with um, my right wing choice because I've gone for I'm, Messi as well. I'm just going to say, you talked about that then. Yeah. When it, it's perfectly, it's epitomised by the fact that you have Messi, Di Maria, Dybala and Aguero yeah. there at the top, and then you have Hoyth on your back line. Yeah, and like, I think Garay used to play for him, didn't he? I'm not sure whether he's still playing. And Is is Taliafico, is he Argentinian? I'm not sure. But... Yeah, yeah, he is on uh, as a left-back, but he's, he's a, a good player in himself, but not to the same extent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I'll just put in with uh, my right wing choice because I did I did pick Messi. Um, going to come back to the debate between my right wing and left wing shortly, so I'm sure you can guess who my left wing is. Um, just to flesh out the stat that you gave, I'll give you the stat for club and country. So 697 goals um, for 856 appearances, club and country. Uh, 289 assists, which puts him at 0.8 goals per game, which is just incredible, um, and slightly over um, one goal contribution a game um, in the form of an assist or goal. Um, but, you know, to say you've just got over one co- goal contribution a game, some people might say, yeah, that's pretty impressive, but he did that over 856 appearances. You know, obviously not every game he got a goal contribution, but to be... Some games he got three. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, for that to balance out a goal contribution every game for 856 games. I mean, you know, even the best players in the world, you know, we look at the the other, what, eight choices that we've made um, in that team. You know, we're talking about real legends that we're talking about here, but most, you know, most of them, if not all of them, had a bad game at some point, and you know that, or you know, more than one, and that um, that would be slightly, that would be shown slightly in the stats, wouldn't it? Whereas, you know, when you look at a stat like that to say that Messi's had a goal contribution every game for eight hundred and fifty-six games on average, it just doesn't look like he's ever had a bad game, does it? doesn't seem like it and there, there really aren't many players that you can say have done that I know uh, on your left side I won't say the name but we know who it is now yeah. um, he's had a similar stat and then the only other player I can think of off the top of my head a modern day player that would have a similar stat has got to be Robert Lewandowski yeah. um, I, I don't know if you can name another then let me know but um, and same to everyone listening that's not on Facebook but I struggle to think of another that I could come up with that stat off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, 
we won't we won't start the uh, the Messi and Ronaldo debate. Um, going to try and avoid it as much as I can if you haven't already got my my left wing choice. But let's hear your left wing choice first. Who have you gone for? I've gone for Ryan Giggs. Okay. Um, well, first of all, Welsh. Um, there's there's not really much other choice um, for Welsh players. Yeah. Uh, so he was he was an easy choice in the team, playing for quite an obscure nation. Um, and then I just thought. Uh, we've talked about club legends uh, and players that just stay at the club they've been in and that is what makes them a legend, not necessarily what they've won or what they've done in their career. Yeah. Um, however, that is almost all irrelevant here because of what um, Ryan Giggs has won with Manchester United. Yeah, Absolutely sure. amazing. Um, under the Iverson influence. Yeah. Um, just an absolute dominant team in the Premier League, which he helped to orchestrate that dominance, and it, he was an easy choice for me. Yeah, absolutely, fabulous player. Um, probably not going to surprise you. I've gone for a left wing. Uh, I've gone for Cristiano Ronaldo, who's um, who I believe um, the greatest player of all time, if you ask me. Uh, representing Portugal. Um, and then Sporting CP, Man United, Real Madrid and Juventus. Um, for club and country, uh, in a 1,000 appearances, he has scored 725 goals, 220 assists. Not going to repeat myself from Saturday from this um, Ronaldo-Messi debate, uh, but just to give you the goals per game and goal contribution um, stats, 0.73 goals per game and 0.95 goal contributions a game. Um, the only point I will make on the Messi Ronaldo debate, um, because I've stats wise I've quite clearly gone for the the worst player in inverted commas. Um, obviously with Ronaldo being uh, eighteen months or there thereabouts older than than Messi as well. Um, the only point I would reiterate is that is the variety of clubs that he's played for and the and the difficulty of, of the clubs that he's played for. But nevertheless. Um, you know, I have wiped out in a in a in a player in like Ronaldo. It just shows how much I wanted him in my team over anybody else because the clubs I've wiped out from picking that player are Man United, Real Madrid, and Juventus, three of the big European giants. And it, you know, the reason I didn't have him in my team is because of Giggs, uh, Zidane. Zidane was a key reason why he wasn't in my team. Yeah. Um, so and, and there were several other players. He he was in actually in my original lineup. Yeah. But he he had to go because of the, the amount of teams he's played for at such a high level. Yeah. Um. But it certainly shows your amount of respect for him as a player that you've somehow worked out a way to get him in the squad. Yeah, definitely. And you know, I, I um, I mean, when I give you my striker choice, it's going to be quite an interesting debate to have between those three players um, I do expect Messi to um, to widen the gap stats wise between him and Ronaldo and you know stats wise to go down as a better player than Ronaldo um, but I, I do think part of the reason why I like him is because he's not people's favourite you know if you ask the majority of people Messi or Ronaldo they the majority of people will say Messi I don't believe I'm, I'm uh, being unreasonable in saying that um, and also by almost by saying Messi so much, Ronaldo doesn't get the credit um, that he deserves in the in the Ronaldo Messi comparison. No, I, I think one reason why he 
he's never really put on the same level is because because of his cockiness. Yeah. I think people struggle to say I like Ronaldo just because he is Ronaldo. Yeah. Um, but that's actually something I like about him, his ambition and his awareness that he's at the top of his game. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what have you gone for up front then, Jack? Uh, the last player in my team is Didier Drogba uh, from the Ivory Coast. He's, of course, played for Chelsea, uh, as well as Le Mans, Marseille, Galatasaray and Montreal Impact. He is uh, an absolutely fantastic player. Um, we talked about him on Sunday, uh, actually Saturday, sorry, how he doesn't necessarily have the best goal record, yeah. uh, only scoring... I say only, but scoring 104 goals for Chelsea. Um, but he turned up in a big moment, and that is something that we also said. Uh, and I thought he was a good choice to have in my team, a striker. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, to be fair, when we first um, decided to do this uh, feature, and we decided to do this one first, Drogba was one of those players that I thought, oh, yeah, it'd be a brilliant um, player to put in because you know play for an obscure nation in the grand scheme of things I mean you know you, you could put one of the Torre brothers in there um, but I thought you know Drogba could easily go in there and um, but I ended up not needing him uh, but definitely you know certainly worth a mention in something like this um, yeah. my striker uh, choice I managed to fit this guy in not quite sure how I've managed it but uh, Kylian Mbappe um, from France, uh, representing Monaco and PSG, um, completes the perfect uh, front three lineup for me. You know, Ronaldo, Messi, and Mbappe. Um, these are this is the stat that's going to interest you. So, in ninety eight matches that he's played, uh, scored seventy seven goals uh, for PSG. Oh, actually, it might be it, it might be for all clubs. I'm not sure. So don't quote me on this. But anyway, 77 goals in 98 matches, 32 assists. So his goal contribution is 1.1 per game. Um, obviously, so that means that must mean his goal contribution per game is higher than Messi, and his goals per game is higher than Ronaldo. Yeah. So that's exactly what that's exactly what it is. So obviously there are fewer games, so we don't want to get ahead of ourselves at the moment. But for the age that he is, um, and for the games that he's played, he's still played a fair number of matches. Obviously, we're not talking the 856 that Messi's played or the 1,000 that Ronaldo's played. But um, he does stand at a greater goal contribution um, than Ronaldo and Messi. Um, and, you know, I remember, I think it was Alan Shearer saying on Saturday, you know, we after players like Zidane, um, we never thought we were going to see another Zidane. And then this Messi Ronaldo race arrived in terms of in terms of a player as incredible a player in his position as Zidane was, and then Messi Ronaldo came along and completely bossed the positions that that they played. Um, but the exciting thing is, is Ronaldo and Messi might not even have retired before we see somebody like Mbappe look like they're set to break the incredible record that Ronaldo and Messi had set already. Yeah, and we, and we thought these were once-in-a-lifetime players. Yeah, the only thing is with Mbappe, there's no one to challenge him, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, but an amazing player, and certainly when making a team of the, the best players of your lifetime, Mbappe 
is a brilliant choice being the only teenager to score in a World Cup final since Pele. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, having any sort of comparison to Pele is an amazing accolade for such a young player. Yeah. Um, his price as well speaks volumes in how good he is. Um, you can't really see him getting worse. He's only going to improve his ability and uh, score more goals per game or move somewhere bigger and better and win the Ballon d'Or. It just seems so... Um, it's implausible that he can't get better. Yeah, especially if he comes to Liverpool. Well, that's, that's a different uh, <laughs> discussion, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it is indeed. Uh, but that's it for this week. Uh, stay tuned for our all-time England 11 podcast next Wednesday at 7pm. And of course, we have our regular show this Saturday at 7pm where we dissect the Premier League's project restart decision a little more. We look at some of the latest transfer rumours and we'll also be doing a bit more of a preview about the restart of the Bundesliga season towards the end of May. Um, uh, yeah. Are we not doing the game of lies again? Absolutely not. Um, Is that because I won? Potentially. <laughs> yeah, you're not, you're not uh, invincible. <laughs> That's Saturday at 7pm, uh, but until then, enjoy the rest of your week and see you Saturday.